We all want to be more productive, so on today's episode, how to do it from a holistic approach. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 151. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help us all be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal leadership. So glad to have you back for another episode of the show. A question I'm commonly asked by a number of members of our community and also came up several times in the recent listener survey that I conducted is about productivity. How do we get it all done? How do we manage our time resources effectively and still have some semblance of work-life balance and all those other things that are important to so many of us. And yet we are alluded by many times in our day-to-day work in organizations because many of us do have responsibilities that require a lot of time and energy. And how do we make the right choices in order to do that well? And that is why I'm really glad to have with us today, someone who is a productivity expert and in fact has designed a system called holistic productivity, and that is Tim Stringer. Tim uh, is a coach and has been for many years working with people to help them to navigate not only the technology around productivity, but as I imagine we'll talk about in this conversation, much more important than the technology, the strategy for how to focus on what's most important and to make decisions and take actions based upon that strategy in order to really get the best possible results for ourselves, for organizations, and the people that we care about most. And so, Tim, I am so glad to welcome you to Coaching for Leaders. Thanks for being here today. Well, thanks uh, very much, Dave, and it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here and talking about one of my favorite topics. Oh, me too. And this is a question I get a lot. And you and I were talking a little bit before we got on the line here today about productivity. And I used the word struggle uh, to describe productivity. And you used a different word. You used the word practice. And when you said that, I said, I really like that better because I think that the tendency for a lot of us is to think about productivity as a struggle. Um, but but you said it. You said practice, and I like that because it really is something that we never master. It's something we're continually trying to get better at, and um, and I know that that really is a big part of your work and how you approach things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a lot of great ideas out there. There's uh, methodologies and uh, best practices and so forth. And my finding my philosophy is that none of those really have any value until they're actually put into practice. And it's very important to be patient with ourselves. And I certainly include myself in this as well. Um, as we become more proficient in, um, in these various practices, knowing that there's really no end to the practice. What really kind of caught my attention was your story. And, you know, you've, you've had an interesting journey over the last few years and you've had some major changes in your life. And I, I think that that story in a lot of ways um, kind of is is a good starting point for thinking about how we all uh, can look at productivity. And so I was wondering if maybe you could share a little bit about your journey over the last few years and how it's led to what you're doing today. 
Yeah, for sure. So um, I'll go back to uh, 2008. Um, I'd been running my company Technically Simple for about five years at that point. Uh, I'd uh, recently gotten into coaching. I'd done some professional training with the uh, Coaches Training Institute. And uh, I really had a lot going on in life. Um, I had a, a full client roster, lots of to-do lists and uh, things on my calendar and so forth. And it, it was the spring of 2008 that things changed very radically, very unexpectedly, uh, when I started to develop severe pain in my body. And um, it got got bad enough that my wife uh, took, took me into the uh, Vancouver General Hospital here in Vancouver. And for two and a half weeks, they tried to figure out what was going on. And the more study they did, the, the more it pointed towards cancer. And, and they discovered that I had an advanced uh, stage four cancer and and that I really needed treatment or or my days were numbered at this point. So I had this radical shift in in perspective um, from being a, uh, a busy business owner to just being totally focused on my own healing to the point where in a sense nothing else really mattered at that point. Um, and as one of my colleagues said, it's in a sense the the cancer coming along is the at the same time the worst thing that's ever happened to me and the best thing that's ever happened to me um, because I was I got just so much rich learning from going through that experience. Um, I had the good fortune of working with a master level coach as I was um, going through my my uh, cancer treatments, and she really helped me to to see what what uh, was beyond the cancer, um, treating the cancer as a circumstance and setting it aside. And she said, okay, with the cancer set aside for now, what do you really want to create in your life? And uh, the inspiration just uh, flowed in an incredible way in that point. And even though I was very, very weak uh, from the, the treatments and I didn't have a lot of energy to move forward on those, there was a certain amount of clarity that, that showed up in that moment about what I want to do with my life, and and I really believe that was a big factor in the in in healing. And I was uh, given a clean bill of health quite uh, miraculously um, in December of two thousand and eight. It's a, it's a it's an amazing um, story, and I, I I have heard from others before who have been at very dark points in their lives that they look back on that and say some of the same things you've just said, which is it was the worst thing that ever happened to me and ultimately in some ways ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. And you mentioned that that was a real learning experience. What's one thing that you learned that you think of differently now than you did prior to 2008? Uh, it's my relationship to regret. And that was the when I was first diagnosed, especially in my, my future was very uncertain at that point. I didn't know if I potentially had maybe only six months to live, uh, depending on how things went. But I was really kind of curious to see the regrets that came up and the things that I wish I'd done with my life. And the looking back at the time I'd quote unquote wasted and say, okay, I spent all these years doing such and such, and I could have really been doing what I was inspired to do. And I've developed a, um, a very interesting relationship to regret and I see regret can be a great teacher to say okay uh, the, these things that I regret not having done these are the things that I clearly that are clearly important to me and there's a lot of a lot of values wrapped up in those and really the when I when I got my clean bill of health um, 
uh, and I was uh, kind of recharting my course. I really had a blank slate to look with, look at to work with, and I had the insights from that experience to really help to to uh, start to kind of paint that canvas and. And I, I, the, the fact that I talk about it regularly and it's a big part of the work that I do helps me stay on purpose and keep aligned with the things that um, represent me making a big impact in the world and, and having a, a personal sense of fulfillment while I do that. <laughs> the inclination is, and I'm sure you run into this a lot, and I do too, is when you're thinking about being more productive is to go out and buy a new piece of software or to get a new pro, uh, planner or to um is to start or just try to change everything and i know you really kind of caution people around like just jumping in and trying to do that w- why yeah there, there's definitely a temptation and I, I i grew up with technology i have such a a fascination with it so i i find myself um uh sort, sort of wanting to engage with the tools right away but I think having a strategy for actually using the tools is really key, um, and just treating them as what they are. They are—it's some very, very cool, very powerful technology. But ultimately, it's a vehicle to to get somewhere. Um, to paraphrase uh, David Allen, who created the uh, the getting things done or GTD methodology, he he says there's only two problems in life: either you don't know where you're going, or you don't know the next step to to getting to where you're going. And I think with a lot of people, uh, certainly people I've worked with and uh, people I talk to, they say they want to get more productive. And I ask them, okay, what do you want to produce? Where do you want to go in with your business, with your career and so forth? And that's usually where I get a bit of a, a blank stare. And uh, and they realize maybe in that moment they haven't really given that a lot of thought. And that's such a such a key question. Without, um, I remember the uh, the Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland, where she she stops and says, uh, "Which road should I take?" And the the Hatter says, "Well, it depends where you want to get to." And she says, oh, "I don't know." And he says, "Well, it doesn't matter which road you take in that point." <laughs> so it's it's that important of kind of pressing the pause button and reflecting on what what destination might be a, a fulfilling one to move towards. Even if there's not total clarity on what that might look like, it's it's just saying, okay, I'm inspired to to pursue this and see where it takes me. Uh, versus kind of getting into that automatic pilot where it becomes about getting caught up on email without really without really having a strong sense of why you would even want to get caught up on email. What's What's the value in that? So many of us struggle with that. Like, why is that so hard for us? Like, <laughs> we, we think so much about getting the email box cleared or what's the next step or marking things off the task list. But we just so rarely stop to think, am I even going the right way for my career, for my family, for my organization? Why, why do we struggle with that so much? I think the key is I was uh, there's an excellent book uh, by Tony Schwartz called Be Excellent at Anything and he shares a quote in there from a couple of psychologists at Harvard University and I don't have the exact quote in front of me but the gist is that we're the uh, most outwardly focused least reflective um, uh, culture in the history of civilization which was a bit of a blunt statement but I, I see there's a certain amount of truth to that in that we've got so much information we've got so much competing for our attention, that it's really easy to lose touch of that inner world that uh, I believe we already have all of the answers. It's it's more kind of getting the noise out of the way to to just, just tap into what we already know. It's, it's not about even figuring it out. It's about uh, trusting ourselves and, and learning to 
and exploring that inner inner world i think is is very important and and not relying completely on advice from outside and direction from outside just just developing that sense of self-awareness and self-trust i think are skills that have kind of waned over the years and there's a a great uh, benefit in rekindling those and it really gets to the essence of how you start with people in this holistic productivity process, because I know the first thing that you really challenge people to do is to reflect. Mm-hmm, tell absolutely. me more. Tell yep. me more about that. What is what is the kinds of things that you would be be coaching someone on and challenging them to think to do that uh, that our audience should be thinking about? Okay, how would I how would I start that? Well, one very tangible way to uh, that works for a lot of people is to get into a routine around journaling. So to just take some time, it could be at the beginning of the day, it could be at the end of the day, just to kind of do a bit of a mind dump, just just to tune into what's actually going on in the moment. What's what's the what's the mental chatter and and what's what what are the sort of tidbits of wisdom? Where are some where does the direction lie within that mental chatter? And I find uh, through journaling, putting it into um, a tangible form, it's much easier to see that objectively and separate what's most important from the stuff that's just kind of random noise. It doesn't necessarily have a lot of a lot of importance to it. Uh, and I've been doing this regularly for I guess it's uh, must be at least a year and a half now. Um, thanks in part, I found a, a great app on uh, that's available for the Mac and iOS called Day One, which is built around journaling. And so if I'm on the bus uh, coming home from work or or sitting at my computer, I can just bring up day one and and uh, and it, sort of uh, share whatever ideas uh, uh, that are going on with with myself in a way that I can see the value within them and see what's maybe not as useful. So so journaling in general, whether it's done with pen and paper or with electronics, I think is a, is a great place to start. And even if it's just for a couple of minutes a day to begin with, uh, it's it's the the impact that that has is often what helps people realize the importance of reflection. Okay, so let's look at the second step here. You you say once you've gone through the, you know, as you start to reflect, step two is accepting life as is. Tell, mm-hmm. me, tell me about that. So the, the idea here is if, if you're not accepting life, you're resisting life. And resistance tends to take a lot of energy and it's something that uh, tends to keep people stuck. So there's, and this is very much a practice as well in, and I'm a yoga teacher as well, so I often bring in uh, yoga teachings in the work that I do. And and there's a fundamental practice in yoga called santosha, and that could be translated as acceptance or contentment. And it's not contentment in the sense that I'm going to be complacent and this is just the way life is. It's saying, okay, this is the way life is in this moment, um, and this is where I'm building from. This is where I'm developing from. So there might be regrets that are present. Uh, there might be some self-judgments that come up and so forth. And it's just kind of leveling the playing field and saying, okay, it's the more I can accept life as it is, the more energy I free up to, to grow and to learn and to, and to produce in life. So it's, it's again, one that I think gets uh, skipped over very often. People maybe aren't even aware that they're resisting things in their life. And just shining the spotlight on that and saying, oh, yeah, I actually notice I, I do resist certain things. I complain about my job or or I worry about such and such. And and there's a lot of 
lot of energy kind of bottled up in that that's not being used for anything useful. So mm. realizing it is realizing it is the first step, and then creating a shift out of that to where appropriate and continue to to practice that acceptance is is really what has the impact ultimately. And I think you mentioned to me that a big part of your coaching is then around the importance of focus and getting people to start thinking about one thing that they can really tackle. Um, why focus on one thing versus kind of looking more? I mean, after all, you talk about holistic productivity, but so why focus on one thing versus kind of looking very broadly at a lot of different areas? Yeah, sure. So the the basic premise of holistic productivity is that as humans, we're multifaceted. There's many different aspects to our lives. We have families, we have careers, we have our health to take care of, and that all of these are intimately connected. And so the idea here is that if we create a positive shift in one area of life, then it's going to be felt in all areas of life to a, a larger, small degree. And I found that trying to shift all areas of life all at once is ultimately counterproductive. It might produce a little bit of impact, but there's often like frustration and overwhelm and things that come out of that. So it doesn't necessarily mean only focusing on one area, but choosing a few kind of strategic areas to work. Um, and that's not necessarily the area that seems to need the most attention. So uh, very often people will come to work with me because they're overwhelmed at work. They've just got so much on their plate and they're not not producing uh, maybe what they need to for their job or their company's not growing the way they'd like it to. And I find at least half of those people don't focus specifically on their work. They might do some sort of practical changes there to make things more efficient, but people will often uh, bring a focus to their, their health or, or work on getting more sleep at night and so forth because they discover that ultimately they go into work in the morning and they're feeling stressed and tired and unmotivated and addressing some of those other areas of life can, can create a very positive experience of going into work and ultimately they might be getting more accomplished in a couple of hours than they used to in an entire day. So mm. it's, it's giving people permission to, to approach life holistically and giving them, giving them a strategy to do that um, versus the maybe more conventional way would be to say, okay, I know I need to get into shape, uh, but as soon as I get this, this deadline out of the out of the way or as soon as I get my career back on track where versus I say, okay, maybe this is the, maybe getting back into shape is the most important thing in your life right now, even though there's some other areas that's, that, that uh, are kind of crying for your attention. Well, and this leads right to your last, uh, the piece of the strategy, which is inspired action. So of, of actually, you know, taking action now that you've found somewhere to focus on, um, how do you help people to figure out, okay, what's, what do they do? Yeah, so this is uh, something I've started doing in my courses a while back. And um, the courses I lead, there's a 90-day process as part of them. Um, so the idea is that people choose an area to focus on um, and they they go to work on that over a 90-day period. And at the very beginning of the 90-day process, people have an opportunity to to share what they're focused on with their group. And when I first started leading workshops, I I had people just sharing, this is what I'm going to do over the next 90 days. But uh, just 
out of the blue, when I was leading a workshop, I decided I'm going to do this differently this time. And instead, I had people step into a virtual time machine and and be transported to 90 days in the future and and share from that point of having completed that thing that they say is important to them, having created that shift. And it was really quite magic, the the impact that that had that was distinctly different from sharing from the the present into the future. So if they were actually inhabiting that future place and saying, uh, here I am on such and such a date and um, I'm uh, now, let's say they were working on developing their athletic abilities. They say, okay, I'm able to, to run 10K. Um, I'm feeling great. I've got lots of energy. I'm sleeping well at night uh, and I've lost this much weight. Whatever sort of measurable things there are there and just seeing people's energy shift as they share from that future place even though in a tangible sense nothing has changed their perspective on what's possible is very different they they have an experiential um, hit about what it would actually be like to be there and that's what I find inspires the action it's it's something that's in a sense already present even though they haven't reached it but at an emotional level they can access that that feeling anytime they want and so it's not about, you know, I'll be happy in the future when I get to this place. It's, wow, I'm just, I'm filled with inspiration as I, as I go through these inspired actions. A couple of things here I think that you've, you've, you have in your materials that's just really cool is, and I'm, I'm bad at this one, Tim, name projects that define the objective. Um, tell me what you mean by that and why is that an important tactic? So this is getting into the uh, the getting things done or the GTD methodology, and something that uh, David Allen really emphasizes is the importance of really having a clear picture of what done looks like when you're when you're taking on a project. And a project in in GTD terms is a defined objective that takes two or more actions to achieve. So this could be something very short term. It could be a longer term thing, but being really clear on what the destination looks like. So if you have a project called Trip to Hawaii, that's that's a little bit vague because is this like planning the trip? Is this things that you're going to do when you're in Hawaii and so forth? Where if it's something along the lines of plan for a trip to Hawaii, then it starts to become more tangible. And then what does that, what are the, what's the checklist of things that constitute the trip being planned adds even more definition. So it's, it's getting, getting really clear on what the destination is, especially for those, those shorter term objectives. I find that really key. If you don't really know where you're going, it's like if you're going on a trip and you're not sure where the destination is, you're going to tend to just kind of sit in the driveway and, and not go anywhere because it's not really clear where to go. Getting Things Done is a, if you haven't read it, it's a really great starting point of thinking through your what you're doing in the world and how you're putting together your time management, productivity, whatever you want to call it, system. And one of the things that I know Alan's big on, and you're big on too, is um, due dates only if an item is actually due, like on your task list. Um, tell, tell for those who aren't familiar with that, what is what's the reasoning for that, and how does that help? Yeah, sure. I'll just mention as an aside that um, I read the Getting Things Done, or I listened to the audiobook when I was going through my cancer treatments. And I actually applied the methodology as part of my own uh, healing process. I, I really, that was the... Uh, 
what uh, helped me construct the objectives and so forth. And I think, again, it was one of those things that really motivated my healing. And um, I wrote up that story and sent it to the Dave and Allen company. And uh, I think I heard from about the half the company uh, within uh, within a couple of hours, including David Allen himself. And wow. I had the honor of being on his in-conversation um, uh, uh, interview, um, a show that uh, they has as part of the GTD Connect network. So that was, uh, I think, one, th- one thing that really launched me on this this path that I'm on now. Um, but to get back to your question about due dates, I find there's a tendency, um, this is getting more into the sort of practical side of managing uh, tasks and projects and so forth. But I find when people are using um, an application, I use OmniFocus as my primary one. There's a, there's a box where you can put in the due date for a project or for a task. And people will often say, well, I'd really like to get this done by the end of August, so I'm going to make it due at the end of August. Um, the problem with that approach is that it becomes difficult to distinguish between things that are actually due, meaning that there's a, a commitment made to deliver it. There's been a promise made to deliver it that maybe it's to a client. Um, uh, maybe the commitment is to have your income taxes submitted by a certain date where there's kind of a, an imposed deadline there. It becomes difficult to distinguish those that are due and then will have a consequence if they're not done from ones that you'd like to have done by a certain date, even though they're not technically due on that date. So it's it's important to create that distinction and not overuse due dates. And I think people maybe feel they need to use those due dates because there might be some inspiration missing around it. So the place I would tend to go is, you know, what is it that's, what is it that uh, is, is preventing you from doing this to the point where you feel you really need to put a, a due date on it to make it happen? And, and kind of it's a good, good opportunity to hit the pause button and say, okay, what's really going on here? What uh, is, does this mean I'm taking on too much at the moment and this isn't even a project to be working on right now? Or have I lost touch with, you know, why this is important? Or is it maybe I'm biting off too much, I can, more than I can chew all at once? And it might be better to define a shorter term outlines, uh, shorter term sort of time frame for for part of a bigger objective. So, so it's again, uh, I think more of a flag than a, than a uh, sort of a logistical thing. Yeah, fair enough. Well, let's uh, let's look at some of the resources you have because I know you have a lot of different things that are or that potentially helpful to people. Both things that are. Um, you know, more interactive and things that are um, more of a self-learning approach. And and one of the things that caught my attention is you've actually put together a whole website on people who do use uh, the tool OmniFocus. You use it, I use it. Um, it's a it's a great solution for um, task management and time management for people who have Macs. And unfortunately, it's only a Mac solution. Um, could you say a little bit about some of those resources, and uh, and then maybe we can also um, think of what what's a, a good resource from the you know just folks who aren't using Macs too, as far as from the technology standpoint. Yeah, sure. So um, I, OmniFocus is a tool that's specifically designed to implement the GTD methodology, and it's a tool that I got into soon after uh, discovering GTD, and I found there wasn't anybody offering training on on how to actually use this effectively. So I uh, started to offer uh, courses here in Vancouver, 
and um, and the Omni Group actually came, and it's the company that makes OmniFocus. They came and filmed one of the courses and, and took a, a big interest in what I was doing, even created a um, customer stories video about me. And then all of a sudden, I started getting uh, emails from people all over the world who are wanting, wanting help with uh, using OmniFocus effectively. So I, um, I worked with these people for a number of years, and I learned a lot from 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 that experience and I realized that I couldn't possibly work with with the everybody out there it's a very popular app so I uh, it's just about six weeks ago now I launched um, a site called learnomnifocus.com and it's really uh, an opportunity to take the 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 wisdom of those experiences and provide uh, videos and articles on areas where I find people tend to tend to get maybe a little lost or confused or looking for some models, best practices and so forth. And I, uh, I'm putting that, uh, that's all available through this website, which is really in its infancy now. It's, I've got, got it seeded with content and I have a lot, a lot planned for it in the future. I'm going to add some interactive um, webinars in the fall, for instance. And uh, yeah, I've just been really impressed with the response. I've got uh, members in 32 countries now, much to my amazement, even though it's only in English at this point. And uh, yeah, just uh, it's one of those things. I don't know exactly where it's going, but um, it feels very much aligned with who I am to be be creating this. And it's uh, it's beautiful. So if you are a OmniFocus user, definitely check it out. LearnOmniFocus.com, and I'll put a link to the show notes as well. And I know you do some online courses as well. Yeah. Um, so I also developed a course around the holistic productivity um, methodology that I've developed. And I wanted to do, I've, I've attended quite a few online courses myself and certainly gotten value from them, but I wanted to do something a little different for this one and, and make it more like the experience of being in a, a live in-person course. So I discovered this uh, amazing tool um, developed by a company in California called Zoom. And it's a, a video conferencing um, solution, online meeting solution that allows me to have, I think they technically support up to 100 people video conference together. Um, in the context of this course, I have a maximum of 10 participants and uh, they can all see each other. They can interact with me and other people in the group. So one more question for you. You've You've been on quite a journey over the last five, six, seven years in your business and in your personal life. Um, you've been through a journey yourself, but you've also worked with a lot of people around the world. How has your view of productivity changed post-cancer? Well, I think the cancer really brought a, a sense of urgency to what I'm up to in life. Uh, not urgent in kind of a panic kind of way, but just it made me realize that I only have so many... Uh, so many years that uh, hopefully I've still got a, a good good 40 or so years ahead of me would be great because I've got a lot to I'd like to accomplish. But at the end of the day, none of us know how much time we have. And uh, the yogis say we get a certain number of breaths in each lifetime. But it is the, the key is that it is, is limited. Um, there is a limited sort of time and energy. So it, it really... Uh, really brought the the point home just how how valuable that time and energy is and and some of it I still spend on things that are maybe not that significant I might get some value from them but I, I just want to make sure that the work that I'm doing and the impact that I'm having through my relationships and and so forth is in line with what's important it's it's making a difference it's it's uh, contributing to hopefully improving life on the planet, um, even working with people at a, 
in small groups or an individual level. And just having that be kind of like the, the guiding light for for the, the life that I live and the, the work that I do. Tim Stringer is the founder and creator of Holistic Productivity and also has LearnOmniFocus.com up and running for folks who are trying to get better at using some of the technology with a lot of this strategy. Tim, I so appreciate your time and your wisdom, and thanks so much for sharing your story with us. Okay, well, thank you very much, Dave, and it's uh, an honor to be on uh, Coaching for Leaders. I want to thank Tim Stringer for taking time to come on the show. And if this is something that resonates with you as an area you're wanting to work on, I'd really encourage you to check out Tim's courses on holistic productivity. You can find all his information online at the links at the show notes. So be sure to check those out. For those of you who get the weekly update each week, it'll be in the email. And the thing that really has resonated with me since recording this conversation with Tim as far as practical action is to journal. And I know for some people, journaling is a part of your regular practice. And for a lot of people, journaling is not something that we think too often do, me me included. And so I've really taken the action in the last few days to fire up the day one app and to start journaling. But whatever it is, whether it's that app or something else, I'd encourage you to uh, take some time to reflect. And I know Tim challenges his clients to do that for a week and just see what happens, see what you discover. So that'd be my challenge to you for your practical action this week is to fire up whatever journaling system you think is something you're going to make regular progress on for a week and see what comes out of that. And I would love to hear on the show notes and the conversation uh, and comment section of the show notes, what's working for you around that. And you can join the conversation at coachingforleaders.com slash 151. As always, comments, questions, or feedback for future shows are welcome at coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. And our next Q&A show is coming up next week for episode number 152. This is beginning the uh, first of our experiments to do a, the first Monday of the month Q&A show. And I mentioned on last week's episode that the topic for this month is going to be career direction. So if you have a question about where your career is going, if you're running into obstacles in your career, trying to figure out what's next, or maybe you know what's next, but you're not sure about the best way to get there, either from a strategy standpoint or tools or resources or books, all of that is fair game for next episode. If you have a question, and particularly those of you who were wanting to interact more and ask more questions on the show, definitely go over to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback this week and get your question in so I can consider it for next, next week's episode. And a huge thank you this week to those of you who have subscribed to the weekly update that I publish every Wednesday. A huge thank you to Tammy Jackson, Chris Fletcher, Matt Terry, Mike Sadlock, Daniel Acosta, Bruno Morrow, Mark Troxel, Kian Yong Soon, Sophie Su, Carlo Nocero, Mike Knipstein, Richard McDermott, Rebecca Johnson, and Michelle Bomberger. Michelle, who's been a longtime listener. Thanks, Michelle. 
those folks all subscribed to the weekly update this past week. Thank you for doing that. And with the weekly update, you'll get the notes from every podcast that's aired in your email box on Wednesday, along with my weekly article, something that'll help you in your leadership skills. And the moment you subscribe, you'll also get my 10 leadership books overview that will help you to get better results from others, including two of the books that I rely on weekly. That's a downloadable guide and also a video that will get you started on your reading plan. So I definitely encourage you to check that out. And also a big thank you this week to Joshua Rivers for the kind review you left on iTunes. Josh, thanks so much. And Josh has actually uh, been a a part of the Coaching for Leaders community for almost three years and has recently launched uh, his own podcast, uh, a second podcast called Creative Studio Academy. And I'm going to be a guest in the coming weeks. So Josh, thanks so much for including me on that. And for those of you who are uh, doing more things online and looking to create content yourself, check it out. It's on iTunes. And by the way, if you'd like to leave a review for this show on iTunes, you can do so at coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes. Or if you're a Stitcher user, coachingforleaders.com slash Stitcher. And thanks in advance if you decide to do that. Hey, have a great week and look forward to joining you for the Q&A episode next week. Take care.